Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. I'm embarrassed about my toes. This is the beginning of a visit with JD, a 61-year-old commercial real estate consultant. He has had a recurrent case of onychomycosis for years. Despite his many attempts with tropical treatments, the nails on both feet and one hand have persistent fungal infections. When you suggest using him on an oral agent, JD was, is reluctant. He said he's read on the internet about the serious liver complications associated with these agents and wonders if they're safe. How safe are oral antifungals? Hi, this is Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. And joining me today is Susan Feeney, assistant professor and program coordinator of the Family Nurse Practitioner Tract at the University of Massachusetts Medical School's Graduate School of Nursing. Hi, Susan. Hi, Frank. So uh, JD sounds like someone I've, many of my patients. So what do you think is going on? And is, is an antifungal, uh, oral antifungal appropriate for him? So um, it is. He, he has onychomycosis. And onychomycosis, um, like many of the other uh, fungal infections we see in the skin and similar uh, <clears throat> tissue, um, is very treatable with, with oral agents. And uh, the problem isn't that it's treatable. The problem is that people have some apprehensions about their treating treatment. Right. The, the bugs tend to be um, trichophyton or epidermophytes. And these are typical dermatophytes that are ubiquitous. They're mm -hmm. not due to poor hygiene. People have all sorts of misconceptions. And interestingly, and for reasons that I can't tell you why, when people get a fungal infection under a nail, it typically progresses to involve both feet and mm -hmm. only one hand. Well, they're tenacious, those things. Yes, but why not both hands? I've never understood. <laughs> I don't know. So um, the, the recommended treatments for um, onychomycosis of the feet is, is to use uh, terbinafine, 250 milligrams, mm -hmm. um, once a day for 12 weeks. If it's just of the hand, it can be for six weeks. Uh, for onychomycosis, if you wanted to use griseofulvin, the dose is 1,000 milligrams a day four months for just the hand and six months yeah, for the feet. That's a long time. It, it is a long time. Um, both drugs are, are generic now, uh -huh. so they're a little bit less expensive, but the big cost that's been associated with them are the laboratory testing. Right. So, so what are the risks of oral antifungals, and are they really that toxic to the liver? I've always been very concerned about prescribing them. I know that, I know that there's a concern also with drug-to-drug -drug interaction with some of these antifungals. So um, your, your question's really good. Back in the <clears throat> 80s, um, when oral antifungals first appeared on the market, um, there was some concern that they would induce hepatotoxicity. And there was even a few lawsuits mm -hmm. about it. And so um, I think we've all heard those stories in our training and that, that legend has been passed on. Um, this study that we're gonna talk about today was an observational study of 5,000 adults and children on terbinafine or griseofulvin, and looking to see how commonly did abnormal uh, liver function mm -hmm. studies or abnormal adverse outcomes occur 
while they were on them. And what was really fantastic was that by the end of the study, the vast majority of people um, had no adverse outcome, no change in blood count, no change in H&H, no change in liver function studies. When they did occur, which was very rare, the vast majority of abnormal um, tests were minor and insignificant okay. and clinically not felt by the patient and did not require additional testing or stopping the medicine. So I think the, the, the potential, the theoretical potential of these drugs causing adverse events um, is something of, of more lore and myth. And in reality, they're, they're very safe and you can give them to adults and children with very little concern about adverse that's, events. That's great news because it's, it's so common to have these and it is, it can really affect people's uh, well-being and, and ability to feel like they can go without, you know, go with sandals or something like that and it affects their, their well-being. Um, as far as the LFTs and those, that few people who had those abnormalities, did those resolve fairly quickly? They, they resolved when okay. the medication was finished. Perfect. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, what about drug-to-drug interaction? I know many of the antifungals can, you know, they are um, inhibitors of some of the cytochrome P450. So just being careful about what you get, like with a statin. Sure, with a statin or maybe with a proton pump inhibitor, I think the risk is extremely low. Okay. Your electronic record will probably warn you <laughs> right. that there is the potential for a drug-drug interaction. Um, but uh, this study found no drug-drug interactions that were clinically significant. Having said that, you know, I'm out in practice, somebody wants to go on this, can we do this without getting baseline LFTs? And if we, do we have to check them periodically while they're on them? Oh, so I think this study makes me feel very comfortable that um, if you've got a healthy person without a history of liver disease or alcohol abuse, mm -hmm. um, et cetera, if they haven't had abnormal LFTs in the past, uh, for whatever reason, I don't think you need to check them or, or follow them up. Wow. And granted, you might warn the patient that if they develop itchy skin or turn yellow or abdominal pain or all right. those sorts of things, they should let you know right away. But the reality of the matter is um, uh, the, the, the risks are, are, are very small. Um, another study looked at 69,000 patients Wow. on these drugs. Yeah. And of those 69,000, there were five cases of severe liver injury. Wow. And um, they were not for the two drugs we're talking about. One was two of the cases occurred in ictraconazole and the other was in ketoconazole. So I think the reality of the matter is um, when you're using these drugs, um, they're, they're, they're safe and, um, and, and the need for testing is small. Now, if you have a patient who has an occasional drink or even two drinks a day, there's, no, there's believed to be no risk for adverse liver effects. If you have a patient who you suspect or is known to be uh, an alcoholic, I think you probably then need to use a little bit more caution. Right, well, I'm thinking about the impact this is gonna have not only on uh, patients well-being, but also on cost. I mean, we think about this medication, you know, you would check at, before you started, every six weeks. I mean, it was an incredible cost and burden to the patient and to the healthcare system. It, and this is great news. Well, I, I wanna just talk a little bit more about treating uh, uh, dermatophytes sure. and, and skin infections associated with fungus. Um, when you compare terbinafine and griseofulvin, 
Uh, the easier one, although the more slightly more expensive right. one, is is terbinafine. Right. Um, as I said, phronicomycosis of the hand. It's six weeks of treatment on a daily basis. Twelve weeks for for hands and feet. Um, but for all other indications, for chronic or recurrent tinea pedis, mm -hmm. tinea corporis, tinea cruris, capitis, and Barbie, it's 250 milligrams once a day for two weeks. Wow. And so, in particular, for people who um, might be concerned or you might be concerned about their liver, maybe the prudent thing rather than ordering labs is to say, gee, for something like this, I'd like you to abstain from alcohol for the next two weeks right. while we treat this infection. I know you're frustrated that this rash on your face keeps coming back or between your toes or so forth. Right. Let's just do this for two weeks, let you get better. And, and then I think, again, um, it reminds us to focus on treating the patient, not a laboratory test. Right. Um, and, and treating our own anxiety. And hey, if you've got a person that you're concerned is overusing alcohol, um, it's, not a, it's not a bad proof of concept to ask them to abstain from alcohol from two Correct. weeks. Correct, and then sometimes that would be incentive enough to get rid of a rash and, and uh, with using the oral medication because the topicals um, can have sort of questionable efficacy. Yeah, there, there's really limited data. Yeah. I mean, for, for tinea pedis, yes, for a mild case, but for recurrence, right. Uh, especially for people every spring and every fall, we have people rolling in with their macular hypopigmented lesions of, of tinea corporis. And yeah. this is a really simple way to treat right. it um, with, 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 with no risk. And it, right, and it takes the fear away and the, the worry of sometimes even with all the lab work that insurance might, might push back. So this is great information, Frank. Thank you for bringing it forward. Thanks, Susan. Practice pointer. When treating dermatophyte infections, um, use of griseofulvin and terbinafine are safe and effective and do not require liver function testing at baseline or for follow-up. Join us next time when we discuss the effectiveness of a poster on changing patients' understanding and beliefs about contraception. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primed.com slash podcast and see you next week.